This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. Yanks lose a very, very tough one for the second straight day in Seattle. 4-3, to three, just one final about five minutes ago as the Yankees uh, extended their scoreless streak to 19 innings after not scoring a run for 13 innings last night. And then they turned the entire game around on two home runs in the top of the seventh inning, one from Kyle Higashioka on a 3-2 pitch, an absolutely perfect at-bat that he had against the reigning American League Cy Young Award winner, Robbie Ray. And you're looking at that, and you're thinking that is the kind of at-bat that can turn games around, that can turn losing streaks around, that can get teams back on track. That situation off of that kind of pitcher. Then they take out Ray. He had thrown 115 pitches. Two batters later off of the reliever, Aaron Judge, his 45th home run, another mammoth shot. It's 3-1 to one Yankees. You figure at that point, well, Nestor Cortez is cruising. Last night's going to be just a blip on the radar. You're going to win another series in Seattle and then move on to the weekend. But this is a different Yankees team since the All-Star break. This is a different Yankees team over the last month and a half. A month and a half ago, two months ago, two and a half months ago at the beginning of the season, this game would have ended 3-1. to one. Yankees would have been scoreless for six innings, 19 straight innings, including last night. And then the big Higashioka home run, the Aaron Judge home run, the bullpen would have shut down the game from there, and away you go a 3-1 to one win. This is a different Yankees team. And what you're starting to see now is, And today was a very clear example. And by the way, we'll get to the Mets. Of course we will. Uh, The Mets have had flowers thrown at them all afternoon on the Michael K. Show. Dan and Mike Tannenbaum. We will get to the Mets, I do promise. Yankees just ended. We're going to start there. Um, You're starting to see one game trickle into the next, trickle into the next. For example, last night the Yankees can't score a run for 13 innings, which meant that the game went 13 innings, which meant that you had to use in high leverage spots last night your high leverage guys, Clay Holmes, and he pitched well. Aroldis Chapman continues to pitch well. Efros, Trevino, your two new relievers who you got just ahead of the trade deadline. And unfortunately for the Yankees last night, that did not result in a win. You use your high leverage guys. You get a brilliant pitching performance from Garrett Cole, which is the most important thing to come out of last night, even more important than wins or losses. And you still, unfortunately, don't get the win. So now you go to today, and you have this great seventh inning rally. The two-run homer, the solo homer, you turn a one nothing deficit into a 3-1 to lead. You've just got to lock them down for three more innings. Well, because you had to use Chapman for two straight nights, and isn't it funny now how Chapman is right near the top of the pecking order again? I've been telling you this for months, ever since he came back in Pittsburgh just after the 4th of July and pitched in the middle of games in very low-leverage spots. I said, keep an eye on Chapman. We have not heard the last of him in a big spot this season, and that is obviously playing out to be true. But you used him back-to-back nights. You used Holmes back-to-back nights. You used all of your high-leverage guys last night. So now you take this 3-1 to lead, and what do you got to do? Well, you got to bring Nestor Cortez back out to when you probably, after six innings and 93 pitches at this point in the season, you probably would have taken him out at that point. But you had to try to extend him, and Nestor didn't have anything left in the seventh. Immediately gives one of the runs back, leaves with another run on base, and then who do you have to go to? Well, no Holmes, no Chapman. 
no Efros, no Trevino. You can't really trust Loisaga right now. And Albert Abreu comes out of the bullpen. Because of last night's 13-inning marathon, your best option tonight was Albert Abreu. And Abreu gives up the two-run home run to Carlos Santana, 4-3. to Yanks can't score another run off of the Mariners' bullpen. And just a, another brutal loss. And it's not just losses that they've been suffering lately. It is brutal, brutal losses they've had. I mean, think about this. Saturday night, St. Louis, a one nothing loss. Couldn't get on the scoreboard the entire game. Uh, Sunday, the Frankie Montas game, Yankees battled back once. They battled back twice, but they could not battle back a third time, and they couldn't hold the Cardinals to fewer than 12 runs, so they lose that game. Now you go to Seattle, you start the series off on a high note with a 9-4 to win. Last night, a one nothing brutal 13-inning loss, and then today just compounds it, a 4-3 to defeat to the Mariners. And earlier this season, the Yankees were winning games and making winning plays that historically winning teams make. They were making all the plays that needed to be made. They were winning all the games that they had a chance to win. They were taking care of business against bad teams. They were taking care of business against middle-of-the-road teams. Then they started beating the good teams, like the Blue Jays and the Rays, and they were doing everything you could possibly want for a team playing 700 baseball. And it is completely the opposite right now. And again, each and every day, it's not just about the one loss. Again, the Yankees now are 71 and 41. They're still 30 games above 500. They're pretty far back of the rearview mirror right now of the New York Mets, which we'll get to. And that's certainly interesting in a recent development. But you're still 30 games above 500. But as I keep saying day after day right here, what is this going to look like in the playoffs? Well, what does your rotation look like in the playoffs? Last night was a very, very good sign towards that. Garrett Cole, if he's not pitching like he was last night, then there's no need to even show up. All right, because this is not the Mets. This is this Yankees team is not a Mets team that was able to hold on to first place in the National League East. For six weeks without Jacob DeGrom or Max Scherzer pitching a single game. Which, by the way, is one of the more underrated things that the Mets have done all season long. Six weeks without those two guys, and they held on to first place. The Yankees team is not constructed. The Yankees team needs everybody on their roster playing to or pitching to near their optimal performance. Otherwise, it's not going to work, and that includes first and foremost Garrett Cole. But what does the starting rotation look like beyond Cole? Let's look at the Yankees' starting rotation right now. You have Frankie Montas, who had a very, very bad debut in St. Louis on Sunday for the Yankees. We'll give him a pass for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's just one game. Number two, first game with a new team. Number three, he hadn't pitched in like two and a half weeks. He was injured, and then his mother-in-law passed away, so he took some time off on the bereavement list. And now all of a sudden, on the heels of that, not having pitched in two and a half weeks, you drop him down in the middle of Bush Stadium on a Sunday afternoon with the Yankees trying to avoid the sweep against a Cardinals team that is peaking at the exact right time. And he just got lit up. I'm saying we can give him a pass for that, but I'm not saying that we have to feel 100% confident in him taking the ball in a big spot. He has a lot to prove. Nestor Cortez has been one of the best stories of the season. But as Nestor gets deeper and deeper into the season, you have to continue 
to monitor his pitch count. I mean, he was gassed today going out for the seventh inning. And normally, the Yankees would not have put him out for the seventh inning. But like I said earlier, because of last night's game, and now one game bleeding into the next and bleeding into the next, they don't really have any other options. And I keep going back to this. Nestor Cortez has now thrown 118 innings this season. His career high before this in Major League Baseball was 93 innings pitched last season. Last season. So he's already 25 innings beyond that, and they still have 50 games to play. That's 10 starts. 50 games, 5 pitchers, 10 starts. Even if he goes 5 innings in all 10 of those starts, you're tacking on 50 innings to where he is right now. Now you're talking about 168 innings pitched when he had never thrown more than 93 in an inning. What's that going to look like down the stretch? What's that going to look like in October? I mean, if you asked me two weeks ago, who's the Yankees' number two starter? Who would you give the ball to in a game two after Garrett Cole? I would have said Cortez. But you have to factor this in when you're thinking about that. It's not as easy as, well, yeah, he's been the second best pitcher this season. He was an all-star. He's really coming into his own. No, he's never done this before. This is uncharted territory. And the Yankees have treated him carefully. 118 innings for a guy who's as good as Cortez in the grand scheme of things isn't a lot. It shows that the Yankees have been careful limiting his pitch counts and limiting his innings pitched. So now you're talking about after Cole, you got Montez, who has a lot to prove. You have Nestor Cortez. You have Luis Severino, who we're not going to see at least until the middle of September. And you have Jamison Tyone. Question, 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 question. And that's if, that's if Garrett Cole is the Garrett Cole that we saw last night. So again, now you're just, it, it, it's, it's not just about the loss for the Yankees. Okay? It's about what does this mean? Like, what holes are exposed today? What red flags should we pay attention to today? Because there seem to be new ones every day with this team. You know, the lead over the Blue Jays is 10 games right now. Fortunately for the Yankees, the Blue Jays haven't been playing well either. The Blue Jays are just 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. I mean, if the Blue Jays had gone 8-2 and two or 7-3 and three and were 7 or 8 games out of first place... This division race could get very interesting down the stretch. Remember, the season goes later. I know it's August 10th. The season goes later than it usually does. It goes at least a full week into October because we missed the first week of the regular season because of the lockout. Again, there's 50 games remaining after today. Now, the good for today, Aaron Judge. I mean, again, not only just a mammoth home run, but in a huge spot. You've just gotten the lead. You have the momentum. It's 2-1. to one. They change the pitcher. The reliever gets the first batter he faces out. And then in steps Judge. And it's 2-1. to one. All right? There's a huge difference between 2-1 to one and 3-1. to one. And he gives the Yankees just an enormous insurance run. Now, again, for all the reasons that we just walked through before this, it didn't matter. But this guy not only continues to hit home runs at an historic pace, but he hits them in the biggest spots every game. There's no A-Rod home runs, as I used to like to call them, or Nick Swisher home runs, or Joey Gallo home runs when he would hit a home run. You know, you're up 7-2, to two, top of the eighth inning, 
you hit a two-run home run to make it 9-2. to two. That's not what Judge is doing. I mean, yeah, if you hit 45, one or two of them are going to be like that. But those, for the most part, are not his home runs. So just an incredible season continuing for him. I like that the Yes Network, if you happen to be watching the game at that time, they're doing the counter now. You know, Judge hits a home run, and they have the little home run counter that pops up in the lower left side of your screen. On one side, it's Roger Maris. On the other side, it's Aaron Judge. And the pace of each player through a certain number of games. Today was game number 112 for the Yankees. Through 112 games in 1961, Roger Maris had 41 home runs. Aaron Judge has 45 home runs. He needs to hit 17 home runs over the last 50 games to break this record. And this is another thing that I kind of had put out of my mind, but continue to bring it up this summer because it's something I hadn't thought of in so long, but it is still very real. The American League home run record, for those who care, the Yankees home run record, for those who care, those are still hollowed numbers in baseball. And the cool thing about that is there aren't, there aren't a lot of hallowed numbers in baseball. Home run numbers in baseball, I should say. You know, 73, eh. 762, eh. 70, McGuire, eh. 66, Sosa, eh. 61 for Maris still means something. Especially if it's a Yankee going after the record. It means something here in New York. Now, the Yankees have bigger issues than that. Now, they're intertwined. The home run chase and the Yankees' pursuit of a championship because, like I said, Judge's home runs have been so important and such enormous lifts for this team for the most part that they have led to winning. But right now, the Yankees are not doing nearly enough winning. Thank goodness. Thank goodness they were on that 118-win pace through the first two and a half months of the season because they are now 1-7 and seven in their last eight games. And whereas earlier this season they were taking care of business against the bad teams and the middle-of-the-road teams and the good teams, now they're not taking care of business against anybody. Another week or two of this, if Toronto gets things straightened out, if Tampa Bay gets things straightened out, although they're a little further back, could get interesting in the American League East. And the confidence meter in this town, yeah. All season long, I have sat here, we have sat here, dreaming of October. All season long, we have known pretty confidently, or I should say felt pretty confidently, that we have one team in this town, at least one team in this town, that could go all the way and win the World Series. Right now, there is no question which team that is in New York. It is not the New York Yankees. It has been for most of the year. It is not the New York Yankees in this town right now. And it is not the New York Yankees by a long shot right now. Is there still time to change that? Yes, there is. There's still a long way to go. But we're down to 50 games left in the regular season. At points during this season, people attach the word special and historic to the Yankees season. Right now, it looks like it's going to be difficult for them to see that through.
This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. The Mets continue to take care of business, now 15-2 and in their last 17 games. Heard a caller, an admitted Yankees fan, made a couple of good points, decent points, but the overriding theme of his message to Dan Grassa, as they were uh, speaking, was Mets fans need to slow their roll and not celebrate just yet. He, I, let me just say this, all right? As somebody who has followed sports in this town for 35 years and covered it for the last 15 to 20 years and been on this radio station for the last seven or eight years, let me just say this. Yankee fans have absolutely no place right now telling Met fans how they should react to the season that they're enjoying right now. The Yankee fans have had at least a half a dozen seasons that are similar to what the Mets fan is enjoying right now, okay? The Mets fan has not had a season like this since 1986. It was good in 2006. It wasn't this good. It was good late in 2015, and it got so good so late with Cespedes, but it wasn't this good. The Yankee fan has no place in this conversation right now, and there's few things that make me shake my head more. And then when the Mets have become the top dog in the town, whether it's for a month, a half a season, a full season, a week, it just happened. The Mets right now are on top. There is no question about that. All right? The Yankee fan gets so bent out of shape when that happens. Whereas the Mets fan, you never hear from the Mets fan. The Yankees are on top 90% of the time in New York. They're not on top right now. All right, let's go to the phones and see what you guys have to say. Let's start off with Lonnie on Long Island. Hey, Lonnie. Hey, Pat. How are you tonight? I'm good. How you doing tonight? Well, I'm a little frustrated. I've been saying it. I said it about a month and a half um, ago. That I don't like the way the Yankees look. I just don't. That management, I just don't like anything they're doing. They can't hit. They, uh, it's just horrible. I mean, they haven't addressed it, to me, if you ask me. I mean, the Astros, when I saw the way they just dominated them, and they just, when they got swept in St. Louis, it, it was just horrible. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Yankee fan, diehard, but I think the Mets, I hate to say it, the Mets are a better team, better management than the Yankees. If I was confident, if I had a shot, I, I would say the Mets would do better than us. And I would never say that, but I have no confidence in Boone and his guys. I just don't. And well, and I don't like the way the Yankees. I don't like the way they're going. Listen, they, they, if they they got off to a great start, if they didn't, they would be in the middle well, of the they back did. now. And, and fortunately, they they did. Lonnie, it sounds like you got some company back there. So tell everyone I said hello. Uh, I've been hard on Boone. He was uh, the captain of a ship the first three months of the season where you couldn't criticize him at all. All right, that ship has now hit some pretty turbulent waters. And I was critical of Boone last year. I felt that. He could have managed that team better. It was a very frustrating season for the Yankees last year. You're starting to see some of what ailed the Yankees last year pop up right now during this last 50-game stretch. And it's been a 50-game stretch. That's nearly a third of an entire Major League Baseball season where they have just been a 500 team, if that. Now you're starting to see how great Aaron Judge was earlier in the season because Aaron Judge's offense plus lights out starting pitching plus 
lights out bullpen masked a lot of deficiencies. I sat here every week and said, look at all the holes in the lineup. For a team on pace to win 117 games, it's amazing how many holes they had in the lineup. I mean, when you think about Gallo when he was playing every day, Hicks when he was playing every day, before Trevino came on and gave a spark, the Trevino-Higashioka tandem at catcher was giving you very, very little. You were getting very little out of Josh Donaldson at third base, although he's come on a little bit lately. It was Judge. It was Giancarlo Stanton. It was Rizzo with the long ball, although Rizzo's batting average has been very low all season long. And it was a little bit of Glaber Torres, and it was a little bit of DJ LeMahieu. That's half your lineup where you have a quote-unquote hole. Yet they were still winning at this record pace. Well, what's happened? Well, what's happened is Severino got hurt. Nestor Cortez is getting tired. Jamison Tyone isn't pitching to the same level he was. Jordan Montgomery's gone. Clay Holmes isn't as good as he was. Aroldis Chapman has been in and out and inconsistent. I mean, who's the guy in the bullpen right now that you have faith in? There's nobody. This entire team, the first month and a half of the season was built on the back end of the bullpen. It was the bullpen, it was the starters, it was Aaron Judge. Let's go to Eli in Washingtonville. What's going on, Eli? Hey, Pat, what's going on? Listen, uh, I don't know if you remember, I called up, like, when the Yankees just had that first series with the Astros. Yes. We got shut out. Yeah, and everybody was like, oh, calm down, you know, it was just one series. No, I like like you. I saw all the holes. I I, I called in. Me and Gordon Damer got into to the big arguments. He was like, "Oh, just enjoy the ride of this magical season." But you know what's happening? That's it. The carriage is turning into a pumpkin. The the Mets right now have the best one-two punch, and like you said, the the Mets fans have a right to be bragging right now because they have that one-two punch that can actually give the, get them a title with, with uh, Degrom and um. And, and Scherzer. But the Yankees, listen, we have a GM in Brian Cashman, and this guy's always trying to prove to everybody that he's the smartest guy in the room when he's not. He's always trying to find lightning in a bottle instead of going for the for the for the thing that, that he has to do. The, the trade to make this this uh this deadline was to get that picture that went to uh to to Seattle. That would have been your one two punch combination to, to actually take, you know, to ride into the um, postseason. And then, like you said, trading away Montgomery. You never trade away, a, especially the left-handed pitcher, a pitcher for a guy that, what, for defense? I'm telling you, this guy, Brian Cashman, oh, man. Yo, I love the Yankees. I've been a Yankee fan all my life. My favorite Yankees is, is Don Mattingly of all time. And I've been through the ups and downs of, of, of you know, Yankee glory and, and Yankee doom. But this guy, Brian Cashman, I'm telling you, I just cannot stand this guy. He does he does nothing but just try to do moves through his analytics to prove every to prove to everybody that he that he's the smartest guy in the room. When he's not, we're not the Tampa Bay Rays. Go out there and get that that ace pitcher. Go go out there and get um 
uh, Soto, don't matter if you have to trade your prospects. Then he, he comes out, oh, we're going to win championships, not championships. You haven't won one since 2009, and you were not even responsible for that one. Well, he was he was responsible for 2009, but I, I agree with I agree with pretty much most of what you say, Eli. Here's the problem I have with the Yankees right now, and everything I pointed out at the uh, beginning of the show, the reasons why they lost these last two games, and similarly, the reasons why you don't feel that confident in them as a playoff team, despite the fact that they are most likely going to get a bye. Um, into the ALDS. Two American League teams, two National League teams get a buy into the ALDS. The Yankees will have to keep losing seven out of every eight games to not get one of those two spots. But here's the problem I have, all right? The Yankees right now have the third highest payroll in Major League Baseball, $251 million. All right, the only two teams that have a higher payroll are the Dodgers, all right, and the Mets, all right. To use the Mets as an example, because that's what we do. We have the luxury of having two baseball teams in this town. This summer, and it doesn't happen often, we have had the luxury of having two first-place baseball teams in this town, but they're very, very different. Look at how the Mets are set up for the postseason. Scherzer, DeGrom at the top of the rotation, Edwin Diaz at the back end of the bullpen. That's as good as any team... I can remember, assuming they all stay healthy, that's as good as any team I can remember. I mean, what do you have to go back to? The 98 Yankees, what did they have? They had David Wells, David Cohn, or Andy Pettit, pick one, and Mariano. That This might be the best since then. Now, the Yankees have the third highest payroll in baseball, so they're spending money. You can't say that the Yankees are not spending money. But if you have the third highest payroll in baseball, then why do you have these following questions unanswered? Who's your number two starter in a playoff series? Who's your number three starter in a playoff series? Who's your closer in a playoff series? Who's your setup man in a playoff series? Call me, 1-800-919-3776. Call me and give me the answer to any of those four questions I just asked. Because right now, on August 10th, with the Yankees headed to the playoffs, I don't know the answer to any of those questions. I could take a guess. Who's the Mets' number two starter? It's DeGrom or Scherzer. I mean, right now we'll say DeGrom because he's only made two starts back. It's DeGrom. And then from there, you want to go Carlos Carrasco? You want to go Taiwan Walker? The Mets have four guys in their rotation. If you combined the starting rotation of the Yankees and the Mets, a five-man rotation, the only Yankee in that rotation is Garrett Cole. The only one right now is Garrett Cole. Cortez has had a great season, and I think he's found something, and I think he's going to be an above-average major league pitcher going forward. I think the Yankees have really found something. But for... Him to take that leap from where he was, 93 innings pitched last year with his career high, for him to take that leap and be a shutdown number two starter in the playoffs, that's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. So now you're putting your eggs in the Frankie Montas basket. Too early to call. Way too early to call based on one start, but the first start was very concerning.
it wasn't <laughs> it, it, it wasn't overwhelming. Let's just say that. And all of this for the third highest payroll in baseball. That's where I have a problem with how this team is constructed. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. This from Marley Rivera, who covers the Yankees for ESPN on Twitter. She covers them for ESPN. This was her tweet on Twitter. Matt Carpenter avoids surgery. He'll be out six to eight weeks. We'll be reevaluated in four weeks. So chance you could see Matt Carpenter before the end of the season. Miguel Andujar's back. He got a hit yesterday. He got a hit today. The guy gets a hit every time he's in the lineup. You put a bat in Miguel Andujar's hand, he gets a base hit. It's as simple as that. So not overly concerned about the absence of Carpenter. Carpenter's a guy who's been in big games, and you can't expect him to you know, perform at the Ruthian-type levels he was in the first half of the season. But he is a veteran and a left-handed bat who, if he is available for the postseason, would be a benefit to the roster. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Richard in Manhattan has been waiting patiently. Richard, how you doing tonight? Hi, Pat. Pat, I see a lot of similarities to the 1996 Yankees as I do with the 2022 Mets. Torrey was 58 years old when he came and took the Yankees took over the Yankees in 96. Now, he wasn't a successful manager. He had, I think, one year or two years with the Atlanta Braves, but he wasn't that good And uh, with the Mets and with the uh, – I, I forgot. He was with a couple of teams. But he really Mets, Cardinals, Braves. Right. He wasn't successful. Only with Braves, the Braves. He, only with the Braves mildly successful, but they didn't go to the World Series. I don't even think they won a playoff series. Sure, but he was respected – mainly because he was a great ball player, borderline Hall of Famer, and might have been just a Hall of Famer, even if he didn't win all those games with the Yankees. Might have got him just on his baseball resume and a little bit with the managing. Now, Showalter wasn't a baseball player, Major League Baseball player, but he had the respect of the players because, now, he was 65, so seven years older, but still, in this day and age, 65 is like 58 was back then. But he has that respect because he was a very successful manager, not super because he didn't get into any play uh, any World Series, but he was you know he had a winning record on good teams and you know except for the Baltimore Orioles where they were trying to lose games, so he had that respect. And uh, the both teams I think are good. well I don't know if the Yankees won a hundred that year, but the Mets look like they're going to win a hundred. So both teams they, the way they manage and the way they sit in the dugout and command respect. Now the only difference I can say like watching them in the dugout. Torrey was always sitting next to Don Zimmer, you know, or one of his lieutenants. I think it was Zimmer, maybe Willie Randolph. No, too, Zim, but yeah. Most, yeah, where Showalter is never sitting next to anybody, although I know Lindor comes over and sits next to him a lot. But uh, Showalter doesn't really have a bench coach or anybody that he confers with. I'm sure all his decisions are on his own. He doesn't listen to anybody. So, but they have that – both teams have that same feel, you know, very confident, uh, now, the, the Mets, of course, were built differently than the Yankees, but the Yankees really didn't make that many moves in 96 as they had in 95, as the team was in 95. Now, this year's team, of course, you know, you got Scherzer and DeGrom came back, and, you know, Diaz is having a better year. So it's a little different this year, uh, you know, as far as that. But, you know, just their presence, the calming influence, I think the, the Mets are going to win it. I really do. I just think it's too much calmer. I think the way it looks and the way it's set up, 
And the way the Yankees, you know, just the way the Yankees were in 96, nobody believed it either. No, even when they went into playoffs and lost the first two games at Atlanta, still nobody believed it. Uh, World Series, rather. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, listen, you know what I'm saying? So, I, I it think the same setup that the Yankees I hear you. Okay. Now, let, me, let, let me say Pleasure. this, Richard. Let me sure. say this. I think it's, I think it's more than karma. I think, I think the Mets, for you to sit here today and say that the Mets can win the World Series, I think is absolutely valid. I mean, what are their – in my mind right now, there's one team that's better than the Mets and then maybe the Astros. Maybe. And if you want to – by the way, in two weeks, the Dodgers are going to be at City Field for an early week series. The last week of August. I think it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Dodgers at City Field. It will be – an opportunity for the Mets to go toe-to-toe against these guys before possibly meeting them in the NLCS. It could also be, if the Mets continue to win at this pace and get a little bit closer, it could also be a chance for the Mets to try to wrestle home field advantage away from the Dodgers should they meet in the NLCS. So that's going to be, you have the Philly series coming up, and then you go to Atlanta, and then the last big series this month is the Dodgers series. And the Dodgers and the Astros right now, in my mind, are the only teams that are better than the Mets. The Astros, it's very close. For the Astros, I give it to them. The tiebreaker for me is the fact that they have that championship pedigree. And so do the Dodgers. Now, let me just go back to Richard's comparison. I like the Tory Buck comparison. But as far as the teams go, comparing the 96 Yankees to the 2022 Mets... First of all, those Yankees won 92 games. The Mets are going to be past 92 games by like the middle of September at this pace. Remember when the Mets, and I bet it, which I'm happy about, I want to say they're over-under because DeGrom right before the season started was ruled out indefinitely. I think first it was a month or two months or whatever it was, and the over-under for the Mets, the number uh, dropped from like 91 to 87 or 87 and a half, which is where I got it, so I'm happy about that. 87 and a half. They got seven, what do they have, 73 wins? They could get get the over before the end of August. I mean, I felt they were getting 87 and a half because I liked the team. You know, I I liked the additions of of Marte and, and... um, Escobar and obviously Scherzer. I was paying attention the last two years to Edwin Diaz and wasn't looking at him like the 2019 version of Edwin Diaz. I didn't think he was this version of Edwin Diaz, but I looked at Edwin Diaz before this season as a as a positive for this team. But one more point that our last caller made, and I like Richard. He 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 knows his history and and he tries to bring up historical references, which I appreciate. But to say that the 96 Yankees didn't make that many changes. I mean, they had a new catcher, Joe Girardi, replaced Mike Stanley. They had a new first baseman, Tino Martinez, replaced Don Mattingly. They had a new second baseman, um, Mariano Duncan, ended up being the second baseman, replacing Mike Gallego or Tony Fernandez. They had a new shortstop, a guy by the name of Jeter. Um, Yeah, they made a lot of changes. They had a new setup man, guy by the name of Rivera. So yeah, the Yankees in 96 made some changes before the season, and they paid off. The demeanor between Torrey and Showalter. Yeah, I love I like it. I think they're both respected by their players. Although it doesn't sound like Gary Sheffield's a big fan of Joe Torrey still. 
And I think that the respect comes from knowing that they just have confidence in them. You know, they exude confidence. That's just really important. You know, Tory always exuded confidence, and it, it, it helps to exude confidence when you have a dugout full of veteran players who are confident in themselves already. And then Buck obviously exudes confidence. I've said this every time. I think I've said this every show, like six shows in a row. When you're playing for Buck Showalter, you are supremely confident that your manager is better prepared than the manager he's going against on that day. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. I go back to Father's Day. And it was a Sunday afternoon in Toronto. And the Yankees had a fantastic series uh, against the Jays that week. And I think they were going for the sweep. But at the time, they were 49-16 and 16 going into that game against the Blue Jays. And it was... Um, an 8-3 to three lead that the Yankees jumped out to. And then they, the bullpen gave it up. Uh, there was a grand slam by Lourdes Goriel Jr. Um, the Blue Jays ended up coming back, beating the Yankees on that uh, Father's Day. Yeah, the Yankees were going for a three-game sweep. They pummeled the Blue Jays that weekend. They, they beat them 12-3 to three behind Jordan Montgomery on a Friday night. And then on Saturday, Jamison Tyone had improved to 8-1. and one, And he shut out the Blue Jays 4 to nothing. And at that point, the Yankees were 49-16. and 16. And that was the day. It didn't seem like a big deal because you kind of shook your head. You're like, well, the Yankees were bound to lose a game like this. And it didn't start an immediately downward Spiral. I mean, there has been no spiral yet. There's potential for spiral, but there hasn't been the spiral yet. But it did immediately start the decline when the Yankees were up 8-3. Goriel hits a grand slam in the sixth inning, and Teoscar Hernandez then hit a three-run home run in the seventh inning. And the Blue Jays came back to win that game 10-9. Uh, to Miguel Castro and Wandy Peralta were the relievers that game that cost uh, that coughed up the game for the Yankees. And since then, if you look at the Yankees' record from that point to today, including today's loss, the Yankees are a sub-500 team during that time. All right, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Anthony in Bayside checks in. What's up, Anthony? Yeah, Pat, you know, just, just really quick, the gentleman you were speaking to before, I mean, with all due respect, but comparing the 96 Yankees to a team that has two of maybe the top I don't know, 15 pitches of all time. Mm. Not, a, not a great sight. Comparing bowling ball hey, to Apple, you got to win. You got to win, though, Anthony. They, they haven't won together. And I don't, know that, I, I don't know that top 15 pitchers of all time, I don't put DeGrom there. He hasn't done it long enough. But anyway, I hear you. Okay. I, you go know, on. I, go on. Go on. Maybe top 15 is a lot, but okay. They're, they're, they're I, well, let me just say this. I, right I, I think yeah. you and I are looking at this from two different angles. I don't think that he should be comparing – the 2022 Mets to the 96 Yankees because the 96 Yankees were champions. You know, let's let the Mets win a championship and then we'll compare them to other championship teams. Oh yeah. The 96. Yeah. I mean, before I get into my point, the 96 Yankees weren't only champions. They started off at that. That was the kickoff of a dynasty. Mm -hmm. And that was a dynasty that nobody was expecting, by the way, nobody saw that coming. That pretty much came out of nowhere. Um, here's the thing. Big Yankee fan. How do you sit here and say, I'm hearing a lot of guys calling into your show and, you know, 
kind of telling you that this is it. The Yankees are looking terrible. They're, 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 you know, the, the season looks grim. How does the season look grim? Two weeks ago, we were the best team in baseball, okay? We, we ran into a little bit of tough time. We, we got guys injured. Stanton's been hurt. Mm-hmm. Rizzo just came back. I mean, you got to look at the bright side here. And let me say, before I say the bright side, let me ask you one question. What would the Yankees, would it hurt the Yankees if, let's say, in the, when the postseason comes? Severino may not be coming back, they said. I think they said, like, mid to late September, right? Yes. So what if, what if the Yankees' rotation kind of falls into place with Montez, Cortez, and, of course, Garrett Cole? And what if you said to yourself, I got a guy in Severino who throws in the high 90s. He has an unbelievable number two pitch. What if I used him as a one-inning guy? Is that that unbelievable? No, it's not. I mean, is that not. that out of, out of thought? No, I, I think Severino could be a good option in that role. He's pitched out of the bullpen before. And that's something that I kind of had my eye on when they placed him on the 60-day injured list. And that meant that he can't come back until the middle of September. So I immediately think, well, is he going to have enough time to build back up his arm strength to go back into the starting rotation? So I had uh, on Sunday, Brendan Cuddy covers the Yankees for NJ.com. Really good conversation. Uh, A lot of good insight that came out of it. He was out in St. Louis covering the team over the weekend. I asked him that exact question. Could we see Severino in the bullpen? He said, absolutely not. He goes, Severino is being brought back to be in the starting rotation. Severino was excellent as a starting pitcher this season. Severino's been excellent basically his entire career when he hasn't been injured. Now, I personally think he could be a very, very appealing option out of the bullpen. But the Yankees, according to those who cover the team, still have him earmarked as a starter. 